0: Yeah, if you were in the back walking up the whole climb, like there was no way yeah. you were going to see the front, no matter how good your legs were.
1: G'day, legends, and welcome back to the Press Room podcast presented by Zwift episode 94 and today we're talking with Ruby Roseman Gannon. Not only is she the Australian Criterium Champion but most of all she is the Australian Road Race Champion uh, taking an epic win in the wet in Ballarat only a month ago or just under a month ago. But uh, Ruby for the OG listeners you'll know she's been on the podcast Early days, maybe episode nine or ten, and I think it was twenty twenty two, maybe around this time actually, just before Bay Crits. And uh, gee, in her fourth season now, uh, we're staring down the barrel of her fourth season in Europe uh, with Liv Alula-Jaco, and she's really proven herself as a super versatile rider. Um, of course, we've seen her in the Australian scene, but you know, real followers like you guys uh, of the European seasons will see how Ruby's done. And A lot of the classics, Um, and of course, um, those sort of one day hard races where riders like Balsamo, um, Borghini, etc., get into the finish. Ruby um, on her day has been matching them um, and even competing for the podium. So, lots of exciting things to come for Ruby. And inside this episode, we talk about how she's going to try and take that next step. You know, at the moment, she's just behind, she's just in that next or that second echelon. Um, and can compete for podiums on the right day. But she's definitely got the potential to step it up into that, uh, that top tier. And we talk about how she's gonna try and do that this year the things she's changing to her training plan, um, and things she will hope to do differently, and work at work on with regards to you know all the aspects of being a professional, um, and we just kind of dissect some of the races, and and Ruby does a good job of explaining how you know luck can go your way and how it can't, and how important that can be in a race setting. Um particularly for one day classics like Flanders and Flesh and all those sorts of things. So you guys are gonna love this app. We do a wicked Q and A at the end, um, which I brought some new questions into. and um, you know should hope uh, should help you guys uh, get to know Ruby a bit more off the bike. And, uh, yeah, generally it's just a nice chat. I think you guys will love this one, Uh, you know, coming to the end of the summer season. Cadell's has gone, uh, been and gone, and um, it's been great chatting with all the Oceana riders. We've got a couple more potentially rolling in. Um, and then I've got some beauties as we roll into the classics. So, of course, our European riders will come back on the podcast uh, as their season commences. Uh, but now it's the, the desert races, hey? The uh, The sprint battles. I'm really looking forward to that, and I wonder who's going to come out on top as the top sprinter after the Alula Tours, the Saudi Tours, Omans, and the UAE, of course. But anyway, legends, let me know. Who do you reckon is going to do well in the sprints, uh, Desert Classics, or the Desert Races uh, this month? And um, yeah, I hope you guys like this episode. Before we get stuck into it, big shout-out to Bike Racks. We know they're our summer sponsor, TPR20, and you get 20% off um, r a k z com and uh, check out their bike racks. They are awesome. They supported me um, to go to TDU, which is really awesome, and um, they're just good products, and I love I love my bikes out the back now, just resting beautifully on uh, on those racks, so check them out. Also, Pro Cycling Kit Sales. We'll give away a kit next episode, um, but in the meantime, TPR10. I know many of you have been going to the website and checking out the catalog of kits uh, available, and um, Shout out to young Paravi, who was wearing her Jayco kit she won uh, at the uh, Carnegie Caulfield track meet. That was really cool. So um, thanks, Paravi. Hope you're enjoying the kit. And Legends Zwift, big thanks to Zwift. Um, they're doing this thing with Oz Cycling at the moment. Oz Cycling are now doing some Talent ID. Uh, which is the Australian national body of, of cycling? They're trying to ID potential talents on Zwift. So you can do a workout on Zwift, it's an event, um, and there's one on this week, I think. And you do a 15 second, a five minute, and maybe a 10 minute effort or something like that. And um, yeah, if you do some real good power, uh, maybe at a good age or good watts per kilo. Uh, or cycling and watching and they might uh, recruit you onto the track and let me tell you if you're a young female and you like sprinting you've got a nice sprint on you I would highly 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 recommend you get on there and give it your best work on that sprint because I know for a fact uh, Australian track cycling are looking for female track sprinters so if you got the watts. Lay it down on Zwift um, and the old Cycling Talent ID program. Okay, legends, it's time to get stuck into this episode. It's Ruby Roseman Gannon from Live Alula, Jayco. and I'll see you on the next one. I like the new polos. I like how you've got Nike as the sponsor. That's a pretty baller clothing sponsor. Yeah,
0: I think they look quite good.
1: Yeah. Yeah, the yeah. big pick. Is that – did you just get the T-shirts with the Nike stuff, or do you actually get like Nike shoes or
0: oh, – We had the shoes last year and then this year they've gone for the kit and the shoes.
1: Nice. That's good. Yeah, Nike, the ball sponsor. Are the shoes Air Maxes?
0: Uh, yes, I think so. Oh,
1: they are, right. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> okay. Okay. Um, what do you – this is going to go out after uh, Cadell's but – uh, what do you reckon of the course? Is the course, that's in your wheelhouse? Do you think?
0: Yeah, I think. Um, yeah, it it's <laughs> it's just a really hard last few climbs. Yeah. Um. So, it kind of depends. Probably more on. Yeah, I guess what all the other teams want um like how happy everyone is to work in that front group like what the compositions are it's really dependent on like yeah what teams have the strength up ahead and what strength teams have the strength behind and like who wants to work in yeah. what combination so i guess that's what makes it exciting because you can go sort of either way to a more pure climber or yeah more punchy rider
1: yeah for sure it's always tricky this time of year right because like it's hard to tell it's, it's hard to tell who's in form or like who's motivated, or maybe teams might be going for different rides than they usually would. And then maybe perhaps in the European season, so it's like it can be so random in the Australian season, eh?
0: Yeah, I think so. Yeah, for sure. It's um, I think like also people have trained different sort of lengths of climbs. Yeah. Like I think, uh, like Cecily, I think will be quite good on this length of climb. Yeah.
2: Yep. Um, so, yeah Yeah, okay uh,
1: 2023, it was a pretty good season You got a nice, flat like, full calendar in Um, How would you describe it in, like, one I don't know, where would you describe How your season went last year?
0: I did describe it previously as the curse of the force Because um, I had a <laughs> lot what? of fourth places
2: The, the curse, curse of the of force, the force.
0: Ah. Yeah I had, like a lot of fourth places, I would say. Um at that and then
1: Belgium tour or the how do you say the Tur Turrigan?
0: yeah, the German tour. Yeah. Uh also nationals at the yeah. in the road race on the TT. Yeah. and then Flu was Fourth. Just a few quite a few fourths. Um yeah. Which I think, yeah, also just yeah, I was, I guess I was at the pointy ends of things, but Just didn't have the legs or, you know, the tactics or combination of all the factors, I guess, um, to like really finish it off. So I guess that's frustrating and it's also motivating, very motivating.
1: Yeah. Cause what this is your, will this be your third season as a?
2: Yeah. Oh, oh, wow.
1: Okay. So yeah, so much more to grow. Um, I really, I thought your result at um, Flanders was really good, you know, like what's, Maybe 16th or 17th? But you were in that main second group, weren't you?
0: Yeah, I'd say Flanders probably wasn't my best race, actually. Yeah. Um, at Ghent, I had a pretty bad crash. Just uh, someone hit, like, from the front of the bunch, someone hit the middle of the um, road, the crack there, Yeah, and got their wheel stuck in it, and it was a massive crash. And um, I went down, like, kind of hard, and... Yeah, really ripped up my legs, and then I was—I ended up finding myself in front of the race of that race, and then we got caught like at 400 meters to go, and then we had doors two days later, and I was really not feeling good. Like my knee was really sore and stuff, and then I had probably one of my best races of the season, um, and so then I was pretty motivated for Flanders because um, I knew I had the legs, and then. Coming into the – I had I had to have a bike, two bike changes from okay. – I didn't crash, but someone took out my in just one of the cobbled sectors It was just a lot of chaos. And yeah. then coming into um, the Koppenberg, I think, yeah, that's the one that really steep um, cobbled one. Yeah. Yeah, I was just way too far back, and I never saw the front running, walking in the mud. And I remember just thinking, like, is this – the whole peloton is running up this climb and yeah it was i would say that race for me personally was quite um i just kept fighting i guess from that point on because i was so far back and then we just sort yeah. of kept coming back through like there's a lot of good riders caught out with that just because yeah if you were in the back walking up the whole climb like there's no way
2: yeah, yeah. you were
0: gonna see the front no matter how good your legs were but yeah
1: i think um Grace said the same thing because she was in the same group with you and she, yeah, she was at the back as well. She's telling, told, told me the same story a few weeks ago of just, yeah, you know, walking up the top. Um,
0: yeah. Honestly, that group was, it only really came together, that group that you see in the results, like I'd say 10Ks to go or something. Like before that it was all dribs and drabs. Like yeah, I was with like Bastianelli and Gasparini, I think. And then, uh, Anna Meek came flying past us and I jumped on her for a bit. And it's just like, it was actually, there was a race behind the actual race that was like quite chaotic in itself. But
2: yeah, yeah. yeah. That's right.
1: I mean, Anna Meek, she had like a couple of bike changes, like the worst time, too. That's right.
0: Yeah, she crashed before the Hoppenberg and yeah. she just came steaming past. And I tried to hold her as long as I could. Um, but I think she ended up dropping another client because she's crazy. Yeah.
1: <laughs> okay. Well, you know. You can be, I guess, as, that's part of the game, isn't it? Like the positioning for those climbs is, that's another tough thing about being, I guess, coming into that world from being an Oceana based rider. Like, you know, the other a lot of the European riders get to just live those roads all the time or and the races on there too, right? So they kind of, I don't know, it's definitely an advantage.
0: Yeah, 100%. Yeah, it was the first time I did it and um, definitely take some learnings from it um for this year but yeah i guess like all that sort of yeah i guess being efficient and being good at positioning on those sorts of roads is yeah quite and there's an art to it and probably takes a bit of practice
2: Mm.
1: well that's why i thought it was one of your better results despite all that bad luck still being in that you know that that sort of level for your first role there is i thought it was pretty good um now This season, what do you like? Have you? I I imagine, like at the start of the season, you or maybe the end of last season, you might talk with the coaches and the team on things that you can improve on for next year. Maybe it's things that the coaching or the team staff can improve on that can assist you and the team. But is there anything in particular that you're going to focus on this year to try and improve outside of just, you know, staying consistent and training, you know, consistently too?
0: Yeah, I it's a really tricky one actually. I think when I look at like my results and then also like my physiology and I guess all the aspects to to my performance, you could really improve everything. You know, like there you could you could try and do absolutely everything. I think also I'm a bit of an all-rounder, so it means that like I guess there's a it was a bit of motivation to try and keep improving everything. But um yeah, I guess I was sort of at the pointy end of things, like in finals, but not I didn't have the legs to sort of finish it off. So I guess that's kind of like the key thing, like how how do I turn like a top ten or a top twenty into a win? win
2: yeah.
0: Um and so we did like a pretty big uh gym block over the like summer.
2: Really? Um
0: and sort of an anaerobic focus um, to try and bring my sprint power up a bit, which I think has worked. Um, still probably not pure sprinter territory, um, right. but yeah. And then then for the cobbled class, I'll really be like targeting the cobbled Classic, So sort of the repeated VO two power, um, yeah, and and the sprint.
1: Okay, the, the training sessions sound brutal. those those sort of sessions right yeah I did have
0: some uh did have some pretty savage sessions to be honest um at the BIS so (laughs) yeah
1: um do you with will you have to do any like uh well just like any maintenance work on that on that gym stuff that you did at the start of the year or end of last year uh throughout the season like doing like a session a week or will it just be just let that be the base and then focus on the on bike stuff
0: Yeah, I think I I will. Um,
2: Nice.
0: I think, like, I've always done a bit of gym with the track and then Mm. it's really hard to manage it with um, such a full season of racing, just, like, even getting to a gym, you know, where you have the right equipment for your sessions and stuff, but then also managing, like, fatigue and freshness for the races. Yeah. Um, And then, like, kind of if you lose two weeks, then it's really hard to get back into it because then, like, you get doms or whatever. so. So I think... I'm yeah. really prioritizing, like trying to keep it consistent throughout the season because we found that um, as my gym drops off, my torque production decreases. Yeah. So, and that's sort of a key component to like my sprint, for example. So, yeah. it's really interesting. We've got like two seasons sort of, of data of that. Um, so, that is, yeah, that, that will be definitely a priority this year.
2: Oh,
1: mm, yeah, that's really interesting. It's so tough. I've training in the gym and then. On the bike, it's like yeah, if you if you're not consistent, yeah, it's just so hard, isn't it? Because then you come back, your legs are sore, you just something's a bit tighter, and then maybe that you're gonna move a session one day back. It can just play around, and then like you said, the gyms. Like if you're at a race or something, imagine trying. You're gonna use a hotel gym. You know we've all seen those. Like some of them are, they look good on the brochure, but then you step into the room and it's like one treadmill, (laughs) like four
0: dumbbells. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, last year I did keep it up for the first half of the year. I kind of had a few sessions where it was like I even did one, like the night after a race because I wasn't going to be able to get, like during the classic season, I wasn't going to be able to get to one like we were leaving Belgium the next day going to Italy. Yeah. So I did it that night and that kind of went okay. I didn't feel the best. Like my legs were pretty uh, dead. Yeah. But then I did another one the day after a race and like I pulled something in my back.
2: That's and true. normally
0: like if I do it in a training block, I'm pretty, I've got a pretty long history of gym. And I yeah. never have any sort of twinges, Yeah. but I think the intensity of races and how hard you push yourself, yeah. it's just like another level. And trying to add gym on top of that, like I learned some lessons there. I was like, okay, yeah, that was uh,
2: yeah. probably. Um,
1: I just lost you there. Am I back? that's good. That's good. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, that's give me a, gives me an idea. Someone should be someone should create a business where they get a big Winnegan Bago, strip it out and put a gym in there and just drive it to all the races.
2: <laughs> and the, yeah. Yeah. And the
1: riders can use it. I mean, it might be a bit small, but
2: I don't know. I don't know Maybe. how keen the riders would be on that. <laughs> <laughs> I think, yeah. I, was, I don't know
0: how much. I think I will probably back it off a little bit more yeah. than I was
2: then. Yeah. Um, yeah.
0: But yeah. I think a lot of the time around racing is pretty hard to fit in.
2: Yeah. Uh
1: do you will you have a focus on the Olympics this year? Like is that in your warehouse? Obviously you took the road title, which was so sweet. Um, but does that like I don't know, like is that part of that's gotta be one of the selection criteria for the roadie, right? Like national champ, it's a pretty good chance of being selected.
0: Yeah, not really. I think um, we ha- we only have three spots this year. Um, In- we were looking including- really good for four, and then yeah. it- three total the spots for women oh, okay. road.
2: Right, right, right.
0: Including the TT, so we have two of those three spots. We have two TT spots. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, and unfortunately, just at the end of last year, we lost one of those spots just with UCI points. We didn't have the best end of year UCI points haul. So yeah, yeah, with those three spots. Um, yeah, I'd say Grace would be looking pretty good to go because, I mean, she's one of the best time trials in the world. So yeah. she's five seconds off world title.
2: Yeah.
0: Um, so there's really, I think, only two spots. And I think we have such a strong uh, Australian women's sort of depth. Um, so it's definitely going to be, I think, quite competitive to make it. And I think they will be mainly looking at courses that are similar to the Paris road race course, which is sort of like cobbled climbs, pretty technical. Um, Yeah. So I think nationals, whilst like it's similar-ish, it's also on wide roads. It's not with the hectic European peloton. Like it's probably not (laughs) the best example of what it will take to, you know, win gold at Paris, for example.
2: Yeah. Okay.
1: Fair fair enough. Um, Okay. Enough serious stuff. Now I've got some questions for you, Rudy. Uh what do you think is the most underrated job or role in the in a cycling team, like a professional cycling team? So like across all the staff members. So no bike riders, but of all the roles that are performed for, say, Green Edge or Livalula, what's the most underrated?
0: Well, I think it's really hard working in the cycling team. It's uh hard to work with elite athletes They're so just they're tricky people <laughs> um nice but to... i would say um i would say like probably um i actually think being a ds is really hard because it just has so many you have to sort of do everything like a lot of ds's are doing logistics so you know that has its challenges but it's not the hardest part of the job, I'd say. And then you're dealing with all these sorts of different riders with different sort of mental characteristics and different things that help them be at their best and different goals and ambitions. And then you're trying to get everyone together. Like it's really a lot of people management and psychology in terms of like, how can you get the best out of the team, but also out of each individual. And then you're coming up with tactics and the race plan and reading everything. So between all those things, like, I think there's just so many, so it's such a challenging task and I think it's so fatiguing. Like I think DSs get really exhausted because, Mm. yeah, just managing people in that height and then you're driving the car in like through cobbled roads and like bottoming out on cobbles and it's just like it's such a hectic, hectic job.
1: Mm, That's a good one. Yeah, it's it's probably a reason why like people who become DSs end up staying in, in that role for years, like 10, 15 years, because there's not probably not that many people who actually want to or can do it, all of that. Um, and it's probably even harder. Yeah, exactly. On, yeah, it's probably harder even on a women's team as well because, wow, there's just less staff. So they're probably doing a few more things mm. than say the men's might have someone else. Yeah, to, exactly. You know, extra, so.
0: Mm. Yeah, 100%. Um,
1: okay, what about this? There's a lot of technology in cycling. It's it's pretty fun to look at sometimes and interesting. But if you had to design any bit of cycling tech that could do anything you want, what would it be? Like, for example, if I was going to pick something, I reckon, like, I guess it's already been... Well, say, for example, that tyre thing that gets rolled out every Roubaix when... uh, I'm not sure if any team races with it, but it inflates... And, and deflates the tyre, so to speak. That's a cool bit of kit if it worked and it actually, you know, you could use it in a race without falling off. But is there anything you can think of?
2: Um, I would
0: say, like, on the continuum of, like, time trial specialists obsessed with technology and then, like, I don't know, your average cyclist who doesn't even know what bike they're on, I'm probably, like, somewhere in the middle. Like, I'm not... I, I do care about like, especially like you know, or like it being effective and like being as fast as possible. But I'm not probably obsessive. Maybe, mm. maybe that's why the mechanics don't hate me. Um, <laughs> but I would say if I do, I would actually really like a really fast tire that is like incredibly puncture resistant because I feel like you're always sort of you know you choose a really puncture resistant tire
2: yeah,
0: and then it's probably not as fast mm. but then a really fast tire yeah that's probably what i would choose
1: okay super fast so i just thought of saying you were saying that um what about a pair of shoes with the boa dials right but the boa dials are like di2 so you can like tighten them up by pressing the button on your hoods so you get ready for the sprint you don't have to reach down you can just
2: yeah yeah you know.
0: yeah i mean I'm. I think I'm a set and forget most of the time. I just okay. like set my. I do notice people. I, I saw Caleb tightening up his shoes in the. Crit, I think it was.
2: Yeah.
0: But I'm usually just tighten them up and just, yeah.
1: I think don't even a, think about it. <laughs> I think that's the way to go. But it's definitely a mental thing. Like when you're tightening them again before the sprint or the kick or something, you're definitely over-tightening them. It feels horrible, but I don't know. Maybe that's just. You know, that's just a mental. I think key. the
0: bow should should compress more into the into the shoe though. Also, they don't like stick if, out if they're like, yeah, I reckon aerodynamically that's the way to go, or yeah. a design that. So it's just because I think the foot moves faster than your body. Like the velocity of your foot is yeah. higher because you're pushing through the wind and it's moving. So the more area your shoe can be, the better.
1: Yeah. So. Remember, uh, did you ever see Adam Hansen? He made his shoes, and at one point, those special shoes that he was making, he would he was trialing the bowl dial on different places around the shoe, and he tried it mm. underneath mm. the shoe, and then I think at one point, so sat between the heel, sort of block and the cleat, and then another time he had it at the back of the shoe, and I thought, yeah, I reckon mm. you know, that's actually a good idea. Mm.
0: Uh, yeah, or or the or lace up never.
1: Never yeah. goes wrong. Lace-up's cool. I like those DMTs, actually. Um, now, next question. If you could go on a ride with any celebrity, who would it be? Um, a cyclist or
0: a non-cyclist?
1: Nah, celebrity. Non-cyclist.
0: Okay. Well.
1: can't say Wendy Superfan because that was my answer. I
0: actually listened to. Uh, Dr. Carl, well, I would choose Dr. Carl Um He's like, I don't know if you've heard of him, but he's a very smart guy who is very funny and just a bit of a quirky character, but he's on Triple J on their Science Hour yeah. and people ring up and ask him questions. He's also written a lot of books. Um, but yeah, I I guess I grew up listening to him a bit and then now his podcast is like kind of my like a relaxing place that I like listen to when I go to sleep. But I feel like I know him already because I've just listened to so much of his stuff and I just like he's just a really like wholesome person. Um so probably him.
2: That's a
1: good one. Yeah, that's a really good one. I've got lots of my friends who listen to that as well actually. Um Dr. Carl, that's with mm. it, Triple J. Uh and Triple J for any um for international listeners, that's like a um a radio station in Australia. It's um not like a generic one It's quite a nice one um now last two what's something that you do as a part of your job as a professional cyclist outside of just riding your bike what's something you do really well that relates to you know your overall performance as a cyclist um that's a
2: tricky one Mm. i would say
0: um I do usually do a fair bit of, like, course analysis before I race. Um, Like, I never start a race without going through Bellevue or pretty, um, even races I've done before, usually. Um, Just because I think as a way for me to, like, deal with a bit of, like, my anxiety about, like, previous anxiety, like, know what I'm doing, know what I've got to do. Yeah. Um, And I always write really long STEM notes, which people like to take photos of. And I don't always look at them. It's more just like, I guess, like it's kind of like a cheat sheet or like homework that you do. You know, you do your homework, you do it, but then in the exam, you might not even need it. But I just like it's sort of the process I go through to prepare. And I think it, yeah, makes me feel like I know what I'm doing and relaxed.
1: Mm, Okay. That's a good answer. I think you do uh, media really well, like when you're doing interviews before, before or after a race or with things like that. I reckon you do that quite well. You seem very professional in that part. That's what I've noticed.
0: I actually uh, grew up in Brunswick. Well, one thing I would say about that is um, I accidentally said that Grace Brown won Cadell's uh, at the welcome dinner and she definitely didn't. It was her teammate, but... I think I was just so tired and I kept seeing this FDJ like on billboards all around like Melbourne. And I was like, yeah, great. Like in my brain, it had just like, I don't know, changed (laughs) from Grace winning TDU to to Grace winning Cadelles. And yeah, yeah, that was a bit of a boo-boo. But I I grew up racing at the um, Brunswick Clinic and they did a lot of work on us doing public speaking. So if we ever like podiumed in the... I don't know, under 11s handicap, they had us doing a speech and we were trained (laughs) to be like, thanks to my parents, Um, the Commissaires for running it, Brunswick Cycling Club, like all my competitors, like they really like helped us like practice that stuff. So I think, Mm. yeah, it definitely makes it easier now because we did that from a very young age.
1: Yeah, that's a good tip though, because I've I've actually said that to a rider once. Actually, Mackenzie, who's joined the dev team, um, we were at one of our big stage races here in WA, and and she was winning, and uh, we were doing some stuff on the microphone during the race, and she was like, "Oh, she goes, I'm a bit nervous. Can we do it away from my friends?" And I said, "Yeah, that's fine," but I was like, "These are the ones where you need to practice because you know no one's not many people are listening now, but a terrific practice for when." there's lots of eyes on you and you've got a camera in your face and things like that. So that's good by Brunswick. They do a lot of good things at that club.
0: Yeah, they definitely do.
1: Mm. Now, on the other side, what's something that you can improve on in that sort of Mm. aspect of your job?
0: Yeah, I guess that's a tricky one. There's a lot of things I could improve. Um,
2: <laughs> yeah. Uh, That's
0: yeah. Tricky to, I guess sometimes I think, yeah, I think probably sometimes, well, in the past particularly, and I think I'm improving a little bit, but sometimes I have quite a strong idea of what I think will happen in the race and how I can do my best. Um, more so like, like, for example, for nationals, like I sort of had this really rigid, um, idea of how, um, I would race and how it would pan out and how, um, yeah, Yeah. I was sort of, yeah, sort of just like, I guess, imagining it. And then every year sort of was different. And then like, I struggled with like trying to change my plan. Like
2: Mm. I
0: think in 2021, when the break went, I didn't expect the break to go. And I think I was kind of just like, oh, sh-, like, what do I do? Like, mm. it was just, whereas I think as I'm developing, I'm trying to like come in really flexibly and just um, be better at making really good decisions in each moment. Um, And I'm still, I think this is still something I need to keep working on. Like in a lead out, for example, you have your plan, but then a lot of the times it goes wrong. It's like making a good decision to just shift it up and like follow your intuition. And that takes like time and like experience and stuff. But I think that flexibility is something I've struggled with a little bit. And yeah, that's something I'm working on.
1: Wow. Good. That's a great answer. Very well thought. That's great. Well, um, Ruby, that's it. Thank you so much for your time. And it was really nice to chat again.
0: Yeah, great to chat.
1: Yeah, good luck for the weekend. Hopefully you guys uh, are going to have a great race out there. And um, fingers crossed, if the plan doesn't go right, it can change and you can still get a great result.
0: Yeah, 100%. I think um, it is sort of a chaotic final kind of situation. So I think just never give up and and keep fighting and you never know what can happen at the finish line.
1: That's it. All right. Thanks so much for having me. No worries. Take care. That's another episode of the Pro Podcast done and dusted. Thank you so much for listening. Don't forget to leave a rating on Spotify or Apple. Write something funny. Make sure you give some five stars, if you think it's five stars, of course. And uh, shout out to Ruby. She is a legend and a super professional as well. So we hope she does really well this season. Next week's guest, well, I'm waiting on confirmation. It's I've got a couple in the bank, guys, that are going to be hopefully some really good guests. Um, but in the meantime, you'll just have to wait and see. Thanks, guys, and I'll see you on the next one.